I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at the Wharton School, and this is Launchpad, where I talk to successful entrepreneurs about the secrets to launching and growing their startups. I'm really happy to welcome into the studio my next guests, Sarah Moskoff and Anne Halsall, who are the co-founders of Winnie. Sarah, Anne, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks for having us. Thank you. All right. So first things first, I'm going to point our listeners to your website, which is winnie.com. And that's W-I-N-N-I-E.com, winnie.com. Sarah, let's start with you. Give us the elevator pitch for Winnie. Yeah. So Winnie is the companion app for modern parents. We help you find great places to go with your kids, everywhere from preschools to playgrounds to family dining. And we also help you get the advice and information that you need to be successful as a parent through every age and stage. All right. So walk us through. Actually, let me uh, turn to you, Anne. What is the what platform do you deliver this service on? Um, so we have uh, a, probably our primary um, audience is on our mobile apps for mm-hmm. iOS and Android. Um, and then you can also use Winnie on the web. All right, so give us a typical use case for a parent. They've got your iOS app. How are they using Winnie? Yeah, Yeah, so um, a really common thing people use Winnie for is to find things to do with their children. So kids are kind of fun in that you uh, are always like trying to to get out of the house and do things to keep them entertained and and give them enriching experiences. Um, So uh, in an ongoing manner, we'll see people searching for like parks and playgrounds um, that have you know, great facilities that are good for whatever age their children are. We also see people um, when traveling or road tripping, uh, using the app to find restaurants to take mm. their kids where they could find a changing table or um, that has a kid's menu. Um, we also uh, help you find childcare. So we have a directory of daycares and preschools where you can um, search for even places that have available spaces right now. Mm. Um, Sarah, I can probably make a really good guess, but why don't you tell me, who, who is your segment? Tell me what your typical customer looks like. Yeah, so we target parents through all ages and stages mm-hmm. of, of parenting. And I think that's the really great thing about parents is they have really complex information needs and those information needs change as mm-hmm. their kids grow. Uh, you know, what you need to know as a breastfeeding mom mm-hmm. uh, is very different from, you know, a year later when you are potty training. Right. Um, and so we see parents of sort of all ages of kids still in the house. Mm-hmm. Um, that's sort of our target market is you still have kids at home. Um, and we help them through all ages and stages. So mm-hmm. there's the directory lookup, the sort of Yelp or Google Maps like uh, features where you can look up great places to go with your family. Um, but there's also just the ability to ask questions and get the answers you need on a variety of topics. Yeah. So what, what, and, and, and does it, do, how, how, how female does it skew? Are you, are you, are, would you say what fraction of your customers are, are moms as opposed to, to So dads? we yeah. actually have a good percentage of our customers being male. I think mm-hmm. last we looked, we had around 30% or maybe oh, wow. more Higher than that, um, guessed, yeah. are, are dads. And I think what's really interesting about it is we hear from our dads this this is really one of the first products that they felt like was for them or was Mm -hmm. inclusive um and as more and more families are now you know have two parents working and don't necessarily have a stay-at-home mom maybe they have a stay-at-home dad Mm -hmm. um it's great 
to have a product that actually includes them in the parenting, uh, allows them to ask questions, be involved, figure out what to do with their family that weekend. Um, it allows dads to take a more active role, which is something as moms we really want to encourage. Right. So I suppose a philosophical question is, if I were thinking about how to solve this problem, would be why I need why I would integrate an an app or a service around the kid around parenting as opposed to having a parenting feature within a more vertical app. So I could use Google Maps to find playgrounds. I could use Yelp to find restaurants. I could use Reddit to discuss breastfeeding, although I'm guessing that Reddit uh, might be might be fairly lean. Uh, but <laughs> but uh, so, so what philosophically led you to believe that it made sense to integrate these features around the challenge of parenting? Um, yeah, I, I think that there's an interesting um, thing that we're exploring, which is the role of the identity mm -hmm. of parenting. And mm -hmm. parenting is a very, very powerful identity. Yeah, um, It's one you can't take off forever. Mm -hmm. um, it changes the way you look at the world completely. Mm -hmm. um, so we thought it would be an interesting bet to take that um, if we gave parents like a home on the internet or an app that was kind of their companion app, uh, that they would value having a place just for parents. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we found when we talked to people is that parents, especially newer parents, didn't necessarily feel like they wanted to talk about parenting things on social media mm -hmm. because of all their friends that don't have kids and they don't right. want to overwhelm their Facebook feed with baby pictures or whatever. Right. So there, there seemed to be some value um, to the compartmentalization of uh, you know, your conversations and your community around parenting. All right, good answer. What's really interesting now is 90% of new parents are millennials. Mm. So millennials are very different from the generations before them. They behave differently in all sorts of ways. They're more likely to work. They're you know, less likely to be married. They're, they have all sorts of differences. But one of the, the major differences is that they're, we, we've grown up with technology. Mm. So we've grown up with an app for all of our problems. Right. Uh, you know, you need your burrito delivered in 15 minutes. There's an app for that. Right. Um, and then all these millennials are now becoming parents and we're sort of at the, the forefront of that. Um, and there's no app for that. Mm. And they're like, what do I download? How help me through this? Um, and it's such a major life change that they they desperately are seeking technology. So there's this real opportunity to sort of capture the mind share, um, especially because millennials are so different from parents before right. them. Right. Yeah, why wouldn't there be the Uber for diapers? Seriously, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, Sarah, where, where did the idea come from? Tell, uh, give us the origin story. So yeah. we both have kids. Ah. Um, uh, and I had my daughter, I was working at Postmates at the time mm. where Anne was also working. Mm. Um, and I went back to work very shortly after having her. Um, and part of that was that I didn't really have time to network with other parents or find these mother group, mother's groups or seek out information like where to find childcare. I was a working mom and I was busy. And so I turned to Anne and I said, where do people get all this information? I don't have time to dig and, you know, look at the bulletin board of my local library for activities. And she said, you know, they're really there isn't anything yeah. you have to spend time and you have to network and you have to meet other parents and that's how you get your information it's it's really you can't just put in a google search um, you have to find the right groups to really get the high quality information mm -hmm. um, and then we sort of turned to each other and 
were like, this is crazy. You know, we've both worked at Google and, and Twitter and Quora and great technology companies that have built products to give people vast amounts of information. Um, and we realized this was a problem we could solve with technology. We could yeah. take this these vast amounts of data that's right now in parents' minds or offline, bring it online and make it searchable and accessible mm. and personalized. So I made my very first venture investment in 1999 in a startup called Activity One, which attempted to do this. Uh, and I, that was also my first investment loss. We got <laughs> killed in the dot in the first dot com crash. Um, now, of course, in 1999, you have no idea what was required to actually build web services like this. So maybe that's one thing that's changed. But but why do you think there hadn't been a a portal for a successful portal for for parenting to date? Yeah. So a lot of the companies that are started in the parenting space are started um, by founders who are not technical. Mm. Um, they're started as media companies. Mm -hmm. um, and so they're sort of limited by the content they can produce and create. And there's a lot of value in media companies, but we wanted to build a real technology company. Right. Um, and I think part of it is there's not a lot of women starting companies and yeah. it's women moms who are feeling this pain firsthand yeah. going back to work, but also still shouldering all the responsibilities of being great parents. Yeah. Um, and we felt like we were seeing this before anyone else because we're moms and we work in tech and we sort of have this unique background that not many people have. Yeah. Um, so I think, you know, part of it is a lot of companies are started by men and the right. men don't feel right. this pain the way we do. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So let's talk a bit about your backgrounds because they're they're really nicely complementary. And I think you're right. They're they're somewhat unique in terms of those who are approaching this problem. Let's start with you, Anne. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah. Um, sure. So uh, I um, started my career in technology at Google, um, and I worked there for a few years as a webmaster on their consumer products. And then... By the um, way, I, I read that on your LinkedIn profile. I thought, wow, you were Google's webmaster. How yeah. cool is that? That, that job title still existed <laughs> yeah. when I was there. Yeah. That, was, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, it was a neat team to be on. Right. Um, and uh, then the iPhone came out and Apple released the SDK. And I was like, that's the future. And I quit my job at Google like a couple of weeks before I was going to get my annual bonus. Wow. And my parents were like, are you crazy? And I was yeah, like, no, 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 crazy. that is the future. I am going to work on that. And um, so I I started working on iPhone apps. I wrote my right. own. So so let me just uh, SDK. So the soft system developer kit or software developer kit. It's yes. basically their their kit that allows you to develop. Apple opened up their their ecosystem right. for apps, third party apps yeah, for the iPhone apps, yes. back when that happened. Yeah, and um, so you said that's the future. That's the future. Yeah. And I went and I yeah. So I, I sort of embedded myself in it. I was a freelancer for a while. I wrote my own apps and then joined a very early company called Inkling, which was um, mm. I published on Inkling. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Rest in peace. Try, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> trying to revolutionize the textbook. Yeah. It yeah. turned out to yeah. be really hard. Yeah. Um, they have since pivoted um, and are doing well. But that was a lot of fun. Um, it was right around the time the iPad mm -hmm. launched. So that was kind of the first tablet technology. And then um, I ended up going to work at Quora very early mm -hmm. um, and worked there for four years. Yeah. All... all interesting innovative uses of technology and new applications yeah so th that's a common thread there and your specific expertise 
is is really user interface product product design, right? Yeah. yeah. Very yeah. much specialize in consumer products and have an interest in the knowledge space. Yeah. But you know, something I, I just an aside, when we say design, it's actually pretty interesting. There are a lot of different flavors of design, even within uh, digital goods. So I know uh, Quora was one of those that that really you, people would say really there's design in Quora because <laughs> it's pretty pretty minimal. But but one of the things I read about Quora was that designers uh, designed in code. That is, there was no you weren't using right. you were using Photoshop to design. You were designing by writing the code. That's right. Uh, and so you also had developed a real set of technical skills around implementing design as well. That's right. Yeah. All right. Awesome. And so the compliment is Sarah. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yeah, yeah so I uh, graduated from MIT with a computer science degree, uh, then <laughs> went to Google, which was the, the cool thing to do at the time. Yeah, it's um, still cool, don't worry. It's yeah. still cool. Yeah. Uh, and uh, worked on, on Google and YouTube, um, sort of the technology arm of the partnerships mm -hmm. team. Uh, then I joined a company called Twitter in 2010 when it was a little over 200 people um, and uh, a lot of people thought I was crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I stayed there for four years as a product manager. Uh, so I got to work on pretty much every feature on the consumer product side. Uh, saw the company grow to you know thousands of people and IPO. It was a great ride. Um, after that, I decided I want something a little smaller. I joined Postmates as their head of product. Yeah. Um, and that's where I was up until starting Winnie with Anne. Yeah. Sarah, so so uh, actually I'll ask you both, but let's start with you, Sarah. Were you, had you envisioned that you might want to do something entrepreneurial or did this idea just hit you over the head and effectively demand that you consider that option? Yeah. It hit me over the head. I, you know, the last thing I wanted to do as a brand new mom yeah. um, was start a company. <laughs> yeah. I, I never imagined that that would be the thing I would right. do. And especially that timing seemed a little bit crazy. Um, but the opportunity just was so obvious mm -hmm. to us. Um, and we also realized it was a great opportunity as parents mm -hmm. to really develop a startup culture that we wanted to work for that was family friendly um, and uh, develop a product that would actually help parents. It, it really helps you come into work each day uh, to, to feel like you're doing something that makes the lives of parents better. Um, it, it made me feel like it was worth it mm -hmm. uh, to leave my daughter um, and, and work on something that I felt like was changing the world. Yeah. So uh, I'm guessing, just looking at your website, that you're not yet making a lot of money, but what's your plan to make money with, with Winnie? I, I don't mean that yeah. because it's not awesome. I mean it because there's no obvious monetization. We yeah. are not yeah. making any money. Yeah. That is correct. <laughs> um, we are not focused right now on making money. Yeah. We have this really, really lucrative audience, which mm -hmm. is parents, mm -hmm. um, and we have a lot of information about our audience. They're using us on their phone. Mm -hmm. We know where they live. We know the ages of their kids we right. know what they're interested in and what they're searching for um so we don't feel like we will be at a loss for how to monetize um there are so many interesting ways to monetize this audience and every day we just hold ourselves back because we realize the most important thing to work on right yeah. now is growing our audience um, and making sure we're delivering a really valuable experience to our users um, and not focusing so much on making money right this second yeah so I'm gonna I'm gonna continue with you, Sarah, and ask about financing. So you you had this idea, 
you felt like you had the relevant skills. You had not been an entrepreneur before, but this opportunity really called to you. And you needed to raise some capital. We've, in the last few months, been, I think, all somewhat shocked by the challenges faced by women entrepreneurs. Now, imagine a woman entrepreneur with a new child who wants to start a business aimed at at, at mothers and parenting. I'm, a guess, I'm guessing, at least on the face of it, that that presents some interesting challenges. Maybe you could talk a little bit about your the response in the VC community and what the challenges in financing have been. Yeah, I mean, there were certainly some VCs that didn't take us seriously that thought this was some sort of side project mm -hmm. for us, which couldn't be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. um, but we've also been really fortunate in our careers to work with some amazing people. Yeah. Um, and so, especially at the seed level, a lot of it is people just investing in you. Mm -hmm. um, and so our, our seed round was led by Homebrew, which is a, a firm where I knew both of the partners. Mm -hmm. I'd worked with both of them before. Um, and so they were really taking a bet on us. Um, they were also excited about our idea. They're, yeah. they're both dads and um, one of them has young children. And so uh, they were they were excited about our vision, but um, they, they believed in what we could do. Um, and I think we were able to find enough investors who really knew us and were excited about what we were working on. And, uh, you know, the people that weren't going to be interested in funding a product for parents or investing in women. We don't want them involved mm -hmm. anyway. Mm -hmm. So it was kind of, it, they self-select out of uh, our our potential investors, which is just a great way to ensure that you have an awesome cap table. Yeah. Awesome. What uh, what would you add, uh, Anne, to that? To that? Any, anything, any thoughts on, on the challenges in raising in VC? Yeah, I mean, I remember talking to um, one of my mentors who uh, was actually Cora's first product designer, and she's a really, really smart person. And I was like, I don't know, I'm nervous about this. This was right. kind of before we took the leap. And I was like, it's just, you know, this is like kind of a female space. It's like maybe a soft market where female founders is this like a big mistake. And she was like, just get the numbers. Yeah. You just get the numbers. You can just walk that all over the valley. And I was like, okay. And was that true? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm going to underscore a couple of things. I mean, in some sense, I just had a previous guest who put it his own way, but, you know, in some, in some sense, we all won the ovarian lottery in the sense that <laughs> good schools, good jobs, you know, the Google core, I mean, the pedigree is all those things that are quite amazing. And that's probably the first key to success is know the right people, have the right background, have the right skill set, uh, And that certainly helps a lot. But I love this insight that Look, it's about the numbers. Show yeah. me the numbers. We're not we're not asking for charity here. Yeah. We're asking to to build an important business. And I'd go even further to say one of my one of my good friends I've uh, that I've worked with for years, Josh Koppelman, is the founder of a very successful venture fund, First Round Capital. And he says, no, this is an incredible arbitrage opportunity for VCs. Yeah. If you are willing to just not be stupid and look at the <laughs> opportunities on face value, you have incredible options. You have incredible investment opportunities because of the narrow-mindedness of some of the community. So no. that's the other way to spin it. Yeah, I think it's only helped us yeah. that we knew from the very beginning, like we have to show traction. We yeah. have to get results. Like we have to have something that we can put in front of people on paper. Um, and uh, that's motivated us to, I think, build a better business. So let's talk a little bit about, about traction and about how you got started. So you had the idea and 
and and maybe help me with the timeline a little bit. Did did you raise a few bucks before doing anything, or did you build a a, a demo? What did what did you do? Yeah. We we raised a pre-seed round um, from people we knew before we had anything. We just had our idea. We and then you quit your jobs. Uh, we quit our jobs before we raised oh, money. Oh, wow, good. Uh, <laughs> quit it to yeah. start working on it. We yeah. uh, immediately raised a, a small amount of money, um, and then we launched our app and quickly went out and raised our proper seed round. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did have some metrics and a product in market to sort of show some traction, though it was it was limited and, and certainly won't be anything like what we'll be able to show when we go out to raise our next yeah. round. And and what had you been able to build when you raised your your first institutional money? So the I guess you call it the seed round. All these rounds are all getting so yeah. big that mm. it's kind of crazy. But yeah. So we had a team of, of four. We had an app that had launched mm-hmm. on iOS. Um, we had actually been picked up and featured by Apple. Uh, they liked the app so much. Um, and uh, I think that's it. We didn't have our our web our web app yet, yeah. and we didn't have our Android app. Um, but it was enough to be able to show that that people are using Winnie. It has some product market fit, um, and people are finding value in it. And maybe, um, uh, Anne, you could talk for just a minute. How did you acquire those first customers? Well, we started out um, by uh, collecting some emails at the very beginning. We had a very kind of vague landing page. Mm-hmm. We're like, we're, we want to build transformative technology for parents, sign up. So we had a couple thousand emails from people who were interested in the space. Um, and from that group, we started shipping a beta of our iPhone app to a group of private beta, basically. Mm-hmm. This eventually grew to about 400 testers in the Bay Area. And they wow. were like our first core audience. This was before we were ever on the App Store. Um, then when we did our big launch in June for the V1 of the iPhone app, uh, it was during the week of WWDC, which is Apple's developer conference. Mm -hmm. And they put us on the front page of the app store. So, uh, we got an insane amount of traffic from that immediately, like 50,000 installs. Um, so grew really, really fast. And most of those people churned because at the time when he was very different, it was, it was exclusively local. So we had in fact, like only kind of had data in the Bay Area and very sparsely across the rest of the country. So a lot of those users didn't experience something all that compelling when they logged in. But what we found was really interesting is that a lot of those people went and wrote reviews of the places that they like to take their kids all across the country. And um, it told us that this was something that resonated with people, Mm -hmm. even if they weren't getting value from it because we didn't have the data there yet. Um, they wanted to help other parents and they wanted to help be a part of building this resource. And so that was kind of like our big initial burst of users. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's what we took, you know, with us when we went out to raise our our seed round. All right. We just have about 10 seconds, uh, uh, Sarah, but but can you tell it, how's it going? Give us a sense of traction. It's going really well. We just recently announced that we have over 100,000 parents across over 3,000 cities in the U.S. using us. Wow. Um, so what started as like a local San Francisco thing is now, you know, all over the country. And in fact, San Francisco is not even a, a large market for us anymore. We're, we're national. Um, so we're really excited. 
All right, Sarah and Ann, thanks so much for coming in. A super interesting story. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so for more information about Winnie, you can visit them on their website, winnie.com. That's W-I-N-N-I-E.com. You can also follow them on Twitter, at Winnie. I'm Carl Ulrich, Vice Dean of Entrepreneurship and Innovation at Wharton. Launchpad is produced by Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, on Sirius XM Channel 111. The show airs live on Wednesdays from 7 to 9 p.m. You can find more episodes of this podcast on SoundCloud or on iTunes.